With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. And welcome to Monday's edition of the Terra Scottish Football Podcast, the best podcast in the world. There, I've said it, it's happening. Uh, today I am joined by two men who have never podded together, I believe. Well, this is just incredible that this could ha- two titans could be apart for so long. I have with me Craig Anderson. Hello. And Ewan Taylor. Hello. This is, this is incredible. I, I feel like I'm uh, a witness to history. Well, we I had actually you... posted once before, but Craig forgot, so uh, when, maybe when it wasn't was actually like it. <laughs> we did the, uh, the, transfer, uh, the transfer deadline day pod. We did. But it was, it was a fairly oh, yeah, unremarkable. Did, yeah. Sorry, uh, I, I do remember that. I was, I was in a different a different, uh, different location, so it says something. Okay. I mean, this, is, this is the first proper podcast we did, I, but I do, I yeah. do now well, remember uh, doing that. This, this, this feels like standards are slipping that Craig Anderson's got something wrong. Uh, for the first time, so maybe maybe that maybe this is the sign of the apocalypse, and maybe this is the last podcast we'll be bringing you. But yeah, we'll, so, but we'll take you through an action-packed all Saturday edition of the uh, SPFL Premiership, and we'll start with actually what turned out to be one of the probably most entertaining games of the season so far. We're in Paisley. There was not that many Livingston fans, which was an outrage. <laughs> apparently, it was St Mirren versus Livingston. Uh, where uh, St Mirren kept their top six credentials alive uh, against the other per, uh, perennial bottlers of the of the top six challenge, uh, Livingston at the whatever they're calling um, new new Love Street uh, these days. Uh, Ewan, how how impressed were you by this as a as a spectacle? Ah, it was good. It was a uh, sort of two uh, sort of up and at them teams being being quite up and at them. There's some very funny moments. Obviously, the tremendous save uh, from from Ayunga was probably my my highlight and the <laughs> the uh, reaction um, of uh, his goalkeeper behind him just absolutely raging that he couldn't uh, he couldn't save it himself. Um, and Trevor Carson. So now it was it was a good game. I mean, I thought someone. Uh, were probably the better team, but I, I, I was you know, relatively impressed with what, what I saw of uh, of Livingston as well. I thought they played pretty well. I thought um, Bambilla had a good game uh, down the right hand side. Seemed to cause uh, uh, some in quite a lot of problems. Um, Nubly had a sort of standard uh, game where it you know, doesn't look like scoring, but um, you know it just looks absolutely tremendous and everything else he does. Um, and then yeah, obviously a bit of a, a twist in the tail with the uh, 
with the, the last the, the, the late winner. So so yeah, I mean it's two teams that I, I think are fighting sort of you know above their weight and, and probably will 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 finish, you know, above where they probably should in the league come the end of it. Um and, and well, certainly on, on current form it looks like they deserve to. Now you've been a, a long critic of uh, Australians coming yes. to coming to the SPFL. Are you having to eat some um, well, Tim back, Tams yeah, back, over, over over Kyle Bacchus? Yeah, Bacchus is probably the exception that proves the rule. You know, um, but now he, he's he's been good, uh, and obviously you know the, he, the, he made his Australia debut in, in um, midweek, I believe, and um, had quite a lot of travel, as did indeed uh, Alex Grieve, uh, the, the the other goal scorer for Sunderland. So, uh, pretty impressive performance it looked like from him. Good header for the goal, um, and and yet yeah, I mean he's he sort of typifies Sunderland, I suppose, just all energy. Uh, it feels like. Their tactic is really you know, get men behind the ball, and but then when the ball gets forwards, you'll get plenty play bodies forward, uh, and, and you know now generally speaking that will cause any team you know problems, and uh, and that's certainly been the been the case in the league so far, uh, and you probably say you know some of you know arguably team of the season so far in terms of uh, you know how they're they're getting on. I mean they're only what I think four points behind Rangers, is it? Um, which is pretty decent. Uh, so not, 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 that not that they've got you worried. No, <laughs> well we're playing them uh, at uh, Ibrox next Saturday, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, could, could be one point, um, but uh, but I, I mean I think because obviously that kind of um, that that kind of setup caused Celtic a lot of problems, and it will it will cause a lot of teams in the league problems because yeah, because <laughs> I because I think a lot of a lot of teams will inevitably no, no matter how well. Samirin they're doing, teams will go and play against Samirin and, and think they can get something and will we'll, you know, uh, sort of fall into the trap a wee bit uh, and uh, you know, at the moment just Samirin seem to sort of have an answer for everybody Yeah, Craig, how do you feel obviously a Kilmarnock fan uh, that when when teams like Livingston and St Mirren are, are playing above or below par no, above par, whatever, I don't know I find I find the par thing quite interesting because in golf you want to be below par, but in everything else you want to be yeah. above par. So it's quite a it's quite a confusing metaphor to use. But how how does it feel when you see teams that you potentially or probably have more resources than uh, are are kind of outperforming themselves? I think yeah, it's been in, we we've kind of been on the other side of that a fair bit, maybe over the last two or three years, where we've you know been punching punching above our weight, but. Yeah, then I, I mean, I'll get on to Kelly in general. I think the club as a whole is going in the right direction now, but there, there are some, um, yeah, there, there these, <laughs> St Mirren, less, I think St Mirren are, are a slightly smaller club than Kelly, but are more or less kind of on a par. And like, they they have not, uh, they have not really had a good time of it considering that. And, and this, this, we'll, we'll see how long this lasts. They look a good team. They look impressive every time I've seen them, to be honest. Which, which I wasn't expecting, given the League Cup, because they, they were pretty, pretty mess, and much a mess in that. Yes, yes. I saw, be- I saw, when I saw them against Airdrie, uh, they were a gang. Like it was, it was, it was an awful performance, and it's. <laughs> I find it quite alarming to watch how competent they are now, and whether it was just they needed, uh, they just needed some more games together. Um, and and Stephen Robinson just to, to to moan at them, but but Levy, I think what what's going on there like they're a team who consistently do very well compared to their resources, and 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 it can be overstated. Like and they still were able to go out and spend a, I think a six figure fee on George, the goalkeeper. Mm. Not entirely convinced by him. He, he, he might be all right, but I'm not sure. He's, I'm not sure you need to go and spend six figures to get a slightly better version of. Uh, what, you, what else you have available but we'll wait and see on that because he's a young goalkeeper he's got he's got a chance certainly um, coming back to, to Bacchus and Grieve it's interesting with like the, the two players the two goal scorers Bacchus came with a big big reputation from Australia and unlike a lot of the other players that came out of the A-League where it was like oh yeah they're fine they might do okay um, he was he was very popular with Western Sydney and really really a, a big player, he, he's um, and he's looked really good. But Grieve, I am astonished that Alex Grieve is is even remotely a good player. He came from the second <laughs> tier of New Zealand football, and I spent I had I was on holiday in New Zealand. I watched the game. I wasn't at a game, but I watched a New Zealand league game on the telly, and this was a top flight, and it was like public park stuff. Like it was barely, you know, and and this is the guy playing the second tier, and yet he looks 
tremendously competent um, as a forward yeah. at, um, at our level and I think how they managed to identify him I have not got a clue but what what a fantastic find of a player um, because he, is, he, is he a top six premiership striker? Probably not but is he a good enough striker to have in your squad? Yeah and, and I think a lot of teams would kill to have that type of option um, but yeah the, the game as a whole was quite um, quite an interesting one and that it was I would say mildly entertaining for the first 75 minutes in the sense of if you're a if you if you enjoy kind of a particular style of football, which is quite, I think you and said up in Atom would be would be right. It was quite direct. There was that whole aspect to it, but at the same time, not event packed and maybe not lots of quality football. But like if you're talking about you know technical skill and stuff like that, but enjoyable. But then it, yeah, it sparked into life in terms of incident in the last fifteen. Um, Starting with the goal, and it's interesting because St Mirren obviously had a few um, a few long throws, and then I will talk about it again with Celtic's uh, winning goal as well. When you have a weapon that you use over and over again, not only is that weapon value and it's the the actual execution of that weapon, but the threat of it can often lead to other openings. And because well, if you're expecting that ball to get launched into the box. When it comes short, they get completely caught out by it, and that's what what leads to the goal. And it's a lovely, uh, like a lo- lovely work to go, and, and Bacchus does really well to, to stick it in. And you think St Mirren are probably going to take the game there because yeah, they they Levy were, were in the game, but Hambula was was a threat kind of throughout. But they looked like they were going to take the game, and then there's obviously as as you mentioned, Ayunga's. Um, Handball and it's super Superman impression. So, so I heard. I, I saw someone. Say, yeah, I think it was you that said, you know, what a great save. And I was expecting it to be him um, to be like standing, you know, on the line, and it's you know going to the top corner. But it's the fact he's, he's directly in front of his goalkeeper. How little do you trust Trevor Carson? Like that you're that you're feeling you have to do that. Um, and yeah. and then most of the t- most of the time you're thinking you're taking the risk for your team and that risk kind of pays off in the sense that the, the penalty's missed but then it doesn't really pay off because Levy well, scored five minutes later with the, the extra man and you think that point the team with the extra man's going to kick on but St did did commit and did try and win the game um, kind of happened to Kelly up at Dingwall as well earlier in the season where you think when the other team goes down to 10 you're going to be in the ascendancy but sometimes it doesn't work that way Um with Livy's goal, Joe Nubley. That's gets, a weird cross, isn't it? it? Can we talk about like there's no there's not a lot of spin on it, is there? Like it's it's, it's like he's hit it like a golf shot, hasn't it? I I have never seen such an enigma of a footballer as Joe Nubley. Like last season in the championship, obviously played against us a couple of times for our both. You could not get near him. You couldn't get the ball off him. He hardly scores any goals. He spends most of his game on the left wing, and yet he. he Cannot it impacts constantly impacts games, and and I, I I genuinely couldn't place like what level because some of the things he does are like like League One Scotland level, and then sometimes you're like like a cross like that you would see at the very very top level like you could imagine a World Cup quarter final or something and that being slung in, and you're just saying oh what a, you know, but it's like the Spain fullback or something doing it. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Because I would, I would say probably like the worst foot in the the Premiership is Joel Nubley's left foot. He's <laughs> on the evidence I've seen this far this season, he cannot use his left foot, and then he puts that cross in with his left foot. And like I mean, it was like was it an accident? Was it just like a swing? I mean, it was a very weird technique. Um, and but like right on Bruce Anderson's head, I mean, tremendous cross, tremendous cross, and uh, I always quite like it when there's like. You have like the beanpole striker actually crossing for the tiny B striker, and the tiny B striker scores the header. Um, so that was a nice sort of uh, little uh, quirk to it. But yeah, a very, a very, very odd but brilliant footballer. 
and and then uh, sadly his efforts as as they some sometimes are were worth nothing because it's it's a really good poacher's goal from Grieve. There's like a, a ball in the box and bounces about and how often you see I'm, I'm thinking of Ryan Jack against Ukraine in midweek, last midweek. Mm. The ball bounces about and it falls to a player you don't want it to fall to it and they, <laughs> they do not they don't have a clue how to react. But when you're a, a striker, um and we talked about, you know, the New Zealand second tier, Alex Greaves at Grieve at that level scored a lot of goals and I think sometimes with a finish like that it, you just need to be in the habit of the ball dropping and you sticking it in the net it doesn't really matter the, what level there, I, I agree with you that to a certain extent but he he prepares his body for it all That's the, he, and he makes sure he's got hold of Devlin so Devlin can't get anywhere like he, he does position himself to be in that position if that makes sense so I think he's Potential a lot smart a lot smarter than we maybe give him credit for, but I was I was really impressed by that piece of movement. But if again, it's those sorts of things that we don't see in every single game, so you're not entirely convinced it was deliberate. But they, I think they've got a lot of that St. Mirren. They've got a lot of these kind of three quarter players, the guys that sometimes mo- most of the time do something for you. and They can have absolute stinkers, but when it all clicks. You think of like Curtis Main up front, he's the same. Like he can absolutely terrorise teams, and then sometimes he, he terrorises his own fans, basically. And like <laughs> Mark O'Hara is another example. Yeah, O'Hara is an, yeah, another one. And, and they've got all a lot of these guys, and, and there will probably be a day when none of them turn up and they get beat 6 0 at home. But um, they're also. But then there's days you, when they do all turn up and they beat Celtic. Yeah, exactly. And, and they were tremendous against Celtic, they were good again. Um, Interesting that two players, um, Shognessy and Kilty, that you thought were on their way out, kind of seem to be making their way back in a bit as well. And and there's just Robinson. He's Robinson got compared to Alexander a little bit in the sense that they both managed Motherwell and they were both quite pragmatic Angry. managers. But Robinson's <laughs> got a lot more. Um, his team still are exciting in a way. And and I think you saw a bit of that, and and and, he, and I couldn't imagine a player like Greg Kilty being accommodated in a um, in an Alexander team, but with with Robinson, you you feel he's always going to give him games here and there, and, and and again he just brought a little bit of poise to to what St Mirren did, and and so there's there's a lot to like about St Mirren. I I think as happened with Robinson a few times, they could they could go on like a fifteen game run without winning as well, because that's just how they go, but um, at the moment they look like we have a, a decent chance um, of the top six, but how many times have we, have we said that about St Mirren? Uh, yeah, we don't want to damn that easily damned. I think, um, so, so I think we'll move on because uh, from that, uh, and my link is that um, Sean Kelly's uh, penalty miss was funny, and uh, so's done United's attempt at structuring a midfield. As they went down, I know it's, it's not great, but we'll, we'll take it. Um, as they went down 2 1 to St. Johnston, St. Johnston uh, continued their, well, this must be eight years now since uh, United have beaten St. Johnston at Tanadice. I mean, albeit some of those years, then United were, were out of the Premiership, but still not a, a not a happy home ground for, for such a big derby match like that. Um, you'd you know you'd have thought they'd be up for it, but um, yeah, you and what what your what your takes on on seeing uh, Stevie May one one week after Craig Fowler releases a, a podcast <laughs> calling them one season wonder, and he and he rolls back the years. He, he did, he did, um, possibly by accident because I don't think he meant to finish the way he finished at all. But um, that that probably helped him, and then you could I think you could sort of see the difference in him once he scored. Uh, by accident or not, like he he was then well, he's he's always all over the place, but he was all over the place. And uh, the shot that hit the bar later on was something that I, I just think he probably wouldn't have attempted if he hadn't scored already. Um, but yeah, I, th- I thought uh, St. Johnson looked pretty good first half. Uh, but I mean, you can't really talk about this game without talking about how horrendous the United were. I mean. I, I I personally I've I've thought throughout that possibly probably purely based on watching the the first Alkmaar game that this United team you know are are a lot better in league position suggests something happened you know, obviously with with Ross and you know once the team settles down they'll be absolutely fine I don't think so now that 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 is 
proper alarm bells if you get beat off the back of I mean they played pretty well at Ibrox the week, well, two weeks ago um, so and I thought on the back of that you know I, I, I thought they would uh, they, they would probably beat St Johnson and then you know kick on uh, no uh, they they have serious serious problems um, I mean they, they will concede so many goals this season probably until January because I, I think the personnel just won't will not keep the ball at the net. But it's, it's okay because Tony Watt said they won't be relegated, and <laughs> we all know that that famously never never backfires. Uh, I mean, you, you're right about. I mean, in the, in the build up to even, uh, the second goal, just noticed how static that United defence. You know, they look they look they look like Sabutio players almost. That they were like, oh yeah, I'm allowed to move my feet whilst we don't have the ball. Like it was like it's it's alarming. And and Craig, I suppose, what was your <laughs> What was your take from uh, watch another another uh, insipid performance from United, where they just appear not to want to defend and then decide that actually midfield's just to be avoided as well? Yeah, I, I feel like I have to be careful what I say about Dundee United because I seem to have somehow developed a reputation as uh, as hating them. But uh, I mean, I do, but I also hate <laughs> forty other clubs in the SPFL, possibly 41 a lot of the time. Um, Maybe even 42, actually. Yeah, <laughs> um, they, they, are not, uh, they are not a very good team. The go- I think the goalkeeper situation is what breeds it all, to be honest. I think I think it's like, a, it's like an illness that spreads through the team because you lose faith in a goalkeeper and then suddenly the defence start panicking, they start to lose confidence and then and it just spreads. And I think the problem they have is they now have to they're stuck with two goalkeepers that aren't good enough, I think. Mm. Um I uh, This feels very much like a Kamara. Yeah. I don't think you need uh, it feels like a Kamara fan of uh, twenty twenty one season uh, talking here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I mean but that was the case. Like we, we started that season in I mean we we, we used at least I think three goalkeepers in that season that none of them were uh, were good enough. Um and, and we started off confidently and then it just trickled away as the mistakes started coming. Having said that, I think Ryan Edwards has been he's been terrible this season. He, he, he runs like he's torn a tractor at times. And, and that, that opening goal, like the, it was the opening goal, wasn't it? The shape yeah. that he's, um, he's deeper than everyone else. He lets me in. I think I think the finish was reminiscent of Stevie May and he's, he's one good season, like the, the way it went in. Um, but yeah, the... the that's not the only part. That's what I mean. It's like it, it, you start off by saying, yeah, they're, they're okay up, up front and stuff, but then nothing's even clicking there. And Fletcher puts himself about well, gets involved, lots of nice touches and stuff, but he he probably isn't going to be the one that will score the goals. And you look around and say, who will? And I, it's hard to say. And the problem I have now is... Liam Fox like does not convince at all um, as a manager, does he? I mean, his post-match interview was just so meek and so... And, and it's hard to... Catherine-esque. Yeah, Catherine-esque is what I said earlier. And it's like, I don't, I don't want to assume that the perception that you get of a manager in an interview is always the same as what they're like in a dressing room. But ultimately, like... When your when your job is communication and and to some extent all of ours is and we do this on podcasts, you have a certain base level and even if you're communicating to a different audience and you're communicating in a different way, like there's still there's still a sort of natural timber to the way you talk and you've you've got you've got that ability. You don't suddenly go from being able to inspire and talk to people to to being a mumbling idiot and. Fox to me looked like a rabbit in headlights in front of the cameras. His previous managerial spell would again suggest that he didn't exactly um, inspire a dressing room at Cowden Beath. Yeah, there was a lot of other things going on there. It was a difficult job. And I just wonder if he is an example of one of these guys that's good as a coach because, you know, he, he can. He's got the ideas, but he doesn't need to inspire people with them. He just needs to tell the manager almost, and the manager is there as a speaker. And and for all Jack Ross's faults, Jack Ross knows how to speak. He's a smooth operator. Jack Ross is ten times the manager for me that Fox is. Yeah, and well, you can't really argue the, that given the records. That's the question. I ask is like, 
Ross probably had to go because just the, the way the start went but uh, <laughs> have you just made yourself worse by doing it I don't know um, so, so there's a lot hangs on on that as well but yeah uh, to, to move on to St Johnston like I I wrote them off quite quite big time at the start of the season I still think they're they're, they're far from perfect as a team but what they did is they eventually went out we talked about goalkeeper position they went and got a half decent goalkeeper because that was where they were really scrambling around and Elliot Parrish was playing in the, the pre-season and they were talking about signing like Sam Walker like our second choice keeper who by chance it's not where you want to be no not where you want to be Matthews has come in Matthews is he, he did pretty well for Hamilton when he played here before and he has played at a pretty good level and he looks confident They've brought in Alex Mitchell, who seems to be a good find um, and, and pretty solid as a centre-back. Considine's done better than I think I was expecting from him. And they're starting to introduce some legs into the team. You know, like you've got like Wright, um, who can run. And and you start to see little glimmers of things. I've got even like Nicky Clark again, like just a, a forward who moves. We, I, I've, I've been a... a I have become a long time admirer of Chris Kane. I wasn't for a while, and then probably the last three or four years, I've thought, yeah, he he's got a lot to offer to the team. While he's not there, Clark is offering something quite similar. Just just tirelessness and absolute pest, but also when he gets the ball, he's not daft with it. Like he does, he does kind of involve himself in the game, and all of that to me suddenly makes you think hey, they've got a chance. I think they can still struggle when they play teams with pace, teams with directness and all the rest of it because I think there might be issues there. Fortunately for them, their next game is against Kilmarnock on Wednesday and I don't <laughs> think they'll have to or they'll have to struggle with those things. Um, I'm, I'm quite looking forward to that game because I've seen... I, I didn't watch this whole game. I've only seen bits and pieces of St Johnston, but they're, they're kind of proving me wrong a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see you know how it turns out. Yeah. It's, uh, I suppose if you look at like the two lineups, you know, the, the, the both playing sort of back three um, or slash back five, uh, you know, three midfield, two up front. But like Dundee United, if you look at it, it looks soft. Like Liam Smith is a fullback playing in the back three. That can work, but doesn't really. Edwards can't run, as you say, so tries to play people offside so he doesn't have to run. Graham is uh, quite a stupid defender um, um, unproven and, uh, unproven a, yeah let's say that's, that's more polite raw okay uh, so we'll chase after people that run past them even if his uh, partner's trying to play them offside and then your midfield three you're like Harks, Levitt and McGrath who, who should all be like ball players uh, you know, but no, none of them have a defensive bone in their body really whereas St Johnson have three proper centre halves across the, the defence and Ryan McGowan sitting in front of them as well as I Halberg, because you can get stuck in. Now, it doesn't sound you know great in terms of playing football, but organisationally, like St Johnson are just you know streaks ahead of, of Dundee United in terms of personnel. And then you've got the the fact that Cam Davidson is a much better manager than Liam Fox, so it's probably yeah. not that big well, a yeah, surprise. Yeah, it gives you a plat. It might be unglamorous that uh, what you were saying about St Johnson, but it gives you it keeps you in games, which is crucial, especially if you're done United this season. Uh, but also, it gives you a platform from which to build on by staying in the game. Like it's not like it's not surprising, and I think that <laughs> Dylan Levitt must just be. I mean, must be wondering what on earth that that one he's got himself getting, into, uh, getting further and further away from. <laughs> like he might still he might still be in the squad. He but, seems to um, still be in there, but yeah, it's. Uh... It's all because I mean now, it's, it must be based yeah. on previous reputation as opposed to what he's uh, than form at the moment because he's he's barely noticeable in games and if he does it does contribute it is poor um, so I mean he's he's he'd be worried about that and and I suppose maybe maybe Dundee United are just thinking we just need to get through to November and reassess but again there just seems to be stuff off the park doesn't seem like a happy squad. Um, would be a fair thing to say, but then also the 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 stuff you hear about the club itself, you know the the, the um he, he, they can't spend money <laughs> come January, and they don't appear to have many sellable assets at this stage. So I'm not I'm not really sure what the what the way out is. 
Levitt fires Wales to the World Cup semi-finals yeah. and sell him for three million, and then that sorts everything out. But um, that's maybe it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you'd, ideally, if he gets a goal against England, then that's all. That <laughs> yeah, really perfect. Means. Everyone's like, That's all. That, yeah, yep. Everyone's winner. Uh, so f- from Tandice, we'll go to uh, Saturday's lunchtime kickoff at Tynecastle Park, uh, which saw. Rangers trot out, I think would be fair to say, 4-0 winners. Uh, Giovanni Van Bronckhorst quite likes playing Hearts, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. He does. Um, I'd, I'd, uh, I thought this game was going to be a lot closer than it than it turned out to be. And I had had I not been uh, so much of a shite bag and thought about it, actually, we've all, you know, over the last, uh, I'd say, well, last year or so, Rangers have always played well against Hearts, even the games that have finished draws as well, you know, cup final was a draw over 90 minutes and, and they also there was a draw at Ibrox last season, but both games Rangers absolutely battered Hearts. I, I think they, they suit playing Hearts um, and I think especially suit playing Hearts when Hearts pick such a open team as well, uh, I thought. Uh, and uh, so while, while I, I didn't think Rangers played well first half really and and actually for quite a uh, big chunks of the second half didn't play particularly well either but hearts were so open that they were uh, every time rangers got into the hearts half i thought it looked like they were going to score and uh happily uh did uh twice um in the first half cholak uh, is is really uh really deadly in the moment I, mean, I think he's outperforming his his xg uh nerd alert by about five, I think he's he's on about three point something xG, and he scored eight goals. So uh, that's probably. I mean, the nerds would say that's unsustainable, but I I would like to think it's just because he's a brilliant finisher and he's going to keep on doing that all season, and we don't need to worry about that. Um, and uh, but yeah, it's certainly a better, um, obviously much better result um, than Rangers have been getting recently, but also probably a better performance, albeit. Not one I would get massively carried away with, uh, given the circumstance, and obviously Cami uh, Devlin um, completely losing the head uh, helped with that as well. And but I would agree with you, not, like he's not, that, not, not that sort of player. Yeah. Yeah, of I, I would agree with you, and in general, like the overall performance, like from Rangers, I I have not really been convinced by Rangers many times this season. I thought the PSV away game in the Champions League, I thought they, they were pretty good um, in that one and there have been bits here and there but I've yet to kind of see, and I've, I've not seen all their games and stuff like that, but I've yet to see the ones that have a big performance from them and even when you go, you know, you say 4-0 at Tynecastle, I don't think that was a 4-0 at Tynecastle type of performance it was just yeah. It was it was from Hearts. I mean that that was probably oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's that's fair. <laughs> but um, yeah, it wasn't for Rangers. Two very clinical pieces of finishing, and then you know it's 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 wrapped up at the end when when the game was dead. But Hearts, yeah, it was an exciting game to watch because Hearts were so open, and it could have worked. Like there were a couple of times when they had like half decent counters and, and breaks, and there were opportunities. Um, they were getting in behind Barisic quite a lot um, down, down the right-hand side, I thought. But so often it was maybe like Michael Smith in that position or something and the, the quality of the final ball wasn't there. Um, and that was a bit of an, an ongoing issue for Hearts, I would say, throughout the game. And they were an absolute mess at the back. I Would 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 you suggest that playing the, the experiment of Stephen Kingsley at, uh, at left centre-half is uh, in, a, in a four is now over. Yeah, well, they've done it a couple of times, and I've I've been told that he's looked all right. <laughs> but I just thought maybe that's against like you know lesser opposition. A left back, absolutely, yeah, really good one. A left centre back and a three, perfect, great. But and probably a central midfielder, probably fine. But cause he's a, he's a really talented player, but. A, a, a centre back in a four, like just, just no. It was like when Scott McKenna got injured and people were asking why he wasn't initially called up to the Scotland squad. It's like, well, because he's not going to replace Scott McKenna in a four four two, is he? Um, but yeah, that, particularly I mean, beside uh, Lewis Nielsen as well. Which and that's that's not to be harsh on Nielsen because I think he's uh, you know quite a good prospect, but he's not played that many games, and and you're asking him probably. In some respects, to keep Kingsley right at centre half, I, I, I just I, I didn't think uh, that that was that was uh, a great great idea at all. 
Oh. But you, you could just see it. You could just see it every time Rangers attacked. There was just these gaps all over the like over throughout the defense, and and it, bizarre to give someone like Kolak, who you, know, if you the one thing you know about him, as soon as he run about eighteen yard box, he's pretty deadly. Mm-hmm. It just it, yeah, it seemed like madness. I'm not sure if it's a. Uh, I'm not sure why Nielsen thought it was a good idea, but I think there's still I think there's still some sort of hangover from his first spell and and potentially this thing of of them in being too defensive minded or or something like that. But it I don't know. Yeah, I don't know yeah, if that, that's my, I, I've thought of that a few times this season um, with Nielsen that he, he sometimes it's almost like he feels like he has to go for it more than he actually should. Um, I mean. I, I didn't think there was any need for Hearts to to pick, a, you know. We've, so obviously go with a back four that includes a, a full back at, at centre half. Then your midfield Devlin and um, <coughs> Kiyomar Zoglu. We'll go with, um, you know, fair enough. That that's fairly solid. But then the rest are all attackers. You I mean Humphreys is sort of a striker playing out wide in the right, who actually played pretty well. I thought. Yeah, quite um, well. Yeah, uh, and then you've got Forrest, who's not great defensively. Barry Mackay is pretty much a man down off the ball, and and Shankland. So, th- I mean, to me, that's really open because you're. It's almost like attack and defence that sort of team for me. Um, and uh, against, I mean, uh, uh, Rangers. Not the Rangers have been playing fantastically well of, of late, but we are still Rangers. <laughs> you know, still got some players that can. Uh, uh, or are we? Um, but you know, we've still got we've got some players that can that can really hurt teams if if they get the chance. And uh, and normally, it you know, teams really don't play a uh, sort of fall into Rangers trap uh, to to that extent. And and that's why Rangers struggle. Uh, you. Know, more than normally, more than we, we did on Saturday. So, so yeah, I, I thought it was an odd, um, odd team selection. Really, guys like I mean, Andy Halliday, but to me, should have been playing in that game. Um, you know, just stiff in the midfield, go go sort of four three three. Uh, you know, and, and you could play like Humphreys and Mackay maybe, and just you know, use Forrest off the bench and, and you know have another man in the middle of the park. But because it was, I felt like Devlin couldn't keep going with with Arfield, and that was. Probably partly because we had an extra man in the midfield, and you, know, you shouldn't well, you, really yeah. you, have that. You mentioned you mentioned Devlin there. I think um, <laughs> we can't really not talk about his red card because he he seemed genuinely shocked that it had been shown to him. <laughs> um, Craig, as a former referee, <laughs> was was there any any uh, indecision in your mind about that? Well, no, the, I didn't. I didn't kind of catch it live, if you know what I mean, because it, it looked quite innocuous. But when you see the replay back, it's it's a horrible ta- tackle. It's like people people talk about horror tackles and stuff where a player is making an attempt to to get the ball and they just like they just overstretch it or a bit. It's a bit of a lunge, and you know they catch someone on the shin or whatever, and it, and it looks really bad. But you can see that their intent is is to win the ball, and they've just kind of got got lost, lost kind of control a bit. But Devlin goes in to do exactly that, and and to me that's mm-hmm. a lot worse. That's the type of tackle that players should kind of have the, the book thrown at them for. I, I doubt he will, because I don't think I don't think I'm, I can ever remember a player having an extended ban, even though there's a theory it could be done um, for for just a tackle, but. Um, I just think it's it's cowardly to be honest. Like he's just went kind of be bothered with this. I'm just going to try and hurt someone. And I, I've seen people try and justify that, but for me, it's like and 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 it's not out of character either. If you know what I mean, he's I, I mean maybe he's never done that before, but he's a very dirty player. And um, yeah, I I didn't like it at all to be honest. And I would be the first to very happily try and defend. Uh, a decision that that went against Rangers or whatever, and trying to uh, try and noise people up with it, but not in this occasion. It was just such a clear red card. What What's most remarkable when you see it in the replays is how how far away is from the ball. The ball is is dead when he, when he makes there's about half a second before the challenge, and he's and he makes the he. he, he Goes in and then also the ball, the ball doesn't move at any point. That's what's more like this. That that's I think that that's the thing that damns him the most is that it was it, it was a, a, a yeah a cowardly act, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I and mean, he doesn't really. I mean, he didn't even need to get involved at all. I mean, that was it, as soon as he was running over, I was like, oh, yeah. And I thought he might like uh, slide tackling, 
um, which would have been better as it turned out. Um, but just, you know, it was one of those where he was running and you're like, you shouldn't be getting involved here. You're about to do something stupid. Um, but uh, especially the PC was running, uh-huh. like he wasn't, like he was, yeah, it was, you could tell something was amiss. Yes. I, I, think yeah. you, I, th- I think you can tell from the reaction of like every single person in the dugout, you know, when there's a bad tackle, people in the dugout got up and start a fight. In that occasion, it was like the ref came over the okay? and every, yeah. everyone was like, Oh yeah, yeah, that that'll be a red card. Nielsen was kind of over at um over at the Rangers player and it was all very amicable because it was just like everyone on the bench is like, Yeah, that's a red card and that's fucking stupid. Let's uh, let's not fight over this. Like if everyone agrees as I kick over my bin, sorry about that. That's all right. Uh, um, high quality recording we get here. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I mean, apart from Robbie Nielsen afterwards saying that the referee could have dealt with it differently, I'm not entirely sure how he could have dealt with it. I, re- I really, I did, I, I really did want uh, an an interviewer to to go in quite hard on that one and be like, what, what exactly do you mean by that? Like, I, yeah, I, it's I don't sort, think it's any Hearts fans going to football fans or people saying it's <laughs> that's not an answer. It's just like a a. a, a Platon- a platonic's not the word, a um, platitude. Yeah, because yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just like what, what, what other option was available to the referee at that at that stage? Like you know, so yeah. it um, was a bit the well, only I mean, thing that Steve McLean got right in the game, I would say. Um, <laughs> but uh, obviously, felt sorry for Craig Gordon having a few sleepless nights this week and uh, give let him away with a, a complete howler uh, for what should have been the third goal. Um, and he got himself in a fankle a couple of times in the second half, McLean, that one time when the ball hit off him and then he let Rangers play on and then realised he wasn't allowed to do that and pulled the game back when Rangers like, got to the box. It's like, what? that's just annoying everybody. Like, what, why did you do that? <laughs> um, so, uh, so, yeah. Although, not- if, if players allowed a bit of ring rust after... Um- you know, after after international break, then surely it stands to reason that the domestic referees are also in the same same position, especially you know a lunchtime kickoff. Oh, yeah, well, it looks like it anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, well, you know, um, you know, Rabbi Matundo could could count as how lucky that he wasn't the the most appalling victim of a of a, an assault in a football ground uh, this weekend, as uh, Joe Hart was almost killed by uh, Motherwell Solman in. Uh, in that game at Celtic Park, which finished two one to Celtic, uh, keeping them on top. I think my my main conclusion from from watching uh, much of this game is that, uh, and the highlights is that uh, Stephen Welsh is no Cameron Carter Vickers. No, he's not. He's not. I think he's he's having one of these sort of charmed careers he can have sometimes. Stephen Welsh, where if you're just in the right place at the right time, you can end up with like a lot of medals, and you know you might even get the odd Scotland cap when. You know, he could just have easily have, you know, be you know, be on like a two-year deal at Morton. You know, it, it's <laughs> he's pretty much that level, I, I think. Um, you know, I I think, for example, like Lewis Mayo, when I've seen them play for Scotland under two ones, I think Lewis Mayo's a better player. I don't think Lewis Mayo's good enough for Kilmarnock. Um, and I don't think Stephen Welsh would look good enough for Kilmarnock if he was playing for Kilmarnock either. But he is uh, he's playing for Celtic somehow. Um, and he's just sort of going to hang on for, for uh, dear life, I imagine, there. Uh, he fills a sort of homegrown spot in the, the European squad and all that as well. So he, he'll, he'll probably uh, just keep on doing that until he you know, outstays his welcome. Um, but yeah, he's Celtic really missed uh, Carter Vickers. Um, I was speaking to a friend of the pod, uh, Stevie Din, about that, and he was saying that you know, he thinks Celtic are, are really quite a, a poor team or have been in the last um, in the last couple of games, uh, and that's because of um, of Carter Vickers uh, not being there. So, um, so, uh, so yeah, the Celtic look like they can be got at all of a sudden, which is uh, pleasing for me, um, but also good for the rest of the league because it it actually it looked you know very much like they were just gonna. Uh, sort of march serenely to the the title, which I think, to be honest, I think they probably uh, will still in the in the in the end up. But they have shown at least some signs of frailty in the last couple of games, which bodes well for the rest of the league. And, and potentially one of the funniest own goals we've seen in in quite a while, Craig. <laughs> yeah, and, and I was going to say like they they they've been letting midfield runners go down the middle, and that's what happens when you don't have a a holding midfielder. I know that um, Abdulgard um, came on for his league debut in stoppage time, but I do wonder like that there may be a time and a place for a player like that, and, and maybe before a European game when you just need to get a win. 
might be the time um, because like, I think the goal came from a Motherwell player just being left to charge um, off the ball right through the middle of Celtic's midfield and, um, and and ended up getting on the ball on the edge of the box and I think it was a deflected shot I could be mistaken but that, that was certainly led to one of the corners that Motherwell got in that period um, and then the ball comes into the box and obviously it's, a, it's an absolute disaster that the, the, the pair of them get involved in and I don't even know whose fault it is it's, it's actually really hard to tell I think um, Hart should be shouting for that ball and if he hasn't then Juranovic kind of has to do what he did but it's really hard to tell exactly where the fault lies but yeah it's, it's, um, it's a very amusing uh, own goal uh, and, and I really really enjoyed um, the commentator on sports scene saying that it was in the back of the net um, when it was it could not have been further from the back of the net whilst still being a goal it was about half an inch over the line at the furthest point um, and, and, and I think that's a, a, a catchphrase, a cliche that we have to be very careful with. Um, it, was, it, it hit the side net in at one point, I think, before it got cleared. But yeah, and at that point, I think Motherwell, that game was kind of there for Motherwell. I mean, maybe it wouldn't have mattered. Maybe they could have, you know, they'd have gone 2-1 up and lost 3-2 anyway. But they had Celtic rattled a wee bit and there were kind of wee half, half openings, nothing bigger than that, um, that, that came their way. But ultimately, it's, it's, a, it's another bit of, of excellent quality that wins it for Celtic. And they, I, I talked about St Mirren earlier with the long throw. It's the same with Celtic. Um, they load the box with bodies at corners. They've got a lot of big guys. Obviously, Carter Vickers isn't there this time, but Jens is there. They've got big bodies. They sling a lot of corners into the box. And then what happens is because they've been doing that, all the, St. Mary, uh, the, all the Motherwell players get drawn into the into the kind of sort of penalty spot area and in between there and then it leaves Hatati free <laughs> on the edge and that's not a player you want to leave free on the edge because I don't think there have been many more reliable distance shooting players in Scottish football. Ryan, Ryan Christie got a lot of stick, I would say somewhat unfairly because I think he's actually pretty good at shooting from distance relatively but it's just that shooting from the edge of the box is pretty hard, like most of the time you don't hit the target. Um, but Hatati has a real knack of, um, of finding that top corner, and and that's well, it wasn't quite the top corner, but close enough. Um, Same then, wasn't it? I mean, it was a, it was a great yeah. hit, great hit. And we've seen almost that carbon copy goal from him before, um, and yeah, that, that's just that extra bit of quality that um, that won the game. Plus, Callum McGregor taking one for the team at the end um, when it was Hatati that made the mistake actually. Um, but yeah, there was just that's what Celtic do sometimes, and it's annoying when you're a supporter of another team and you think you've got a wee chance of taking a point off them away, and then it's almost there's almost very little that your team can do because again, you can say, and 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 I would guess that that um, Stevie Hamill will say, you know, why don't you close them down more? But it's like if they had been so loose as to close them down, they'd be saying, why isn't everybody marked up in the box? You, you have to do something. Yeah. And uh, there's always you're always going to get taken advantage of. Yeah, it was, it's a really good um, uh, sort of pass from, from Jota, I think, as well, which is annoying. Obviously, he's got that quality that he just zips it straight into Tati, um, which is uh, you know, obviously gives Tati the chance to, to get the ball out of his feet and shoot quickly before anyone can get near him um, what do you think of the the red card to me it is uh, definitely a red card but you know, I, I just think well <coughs> Welsh is too far away from from Tierney for me I, I, yeah I agree and I think one of the things that I'd throw as I said when I was refereeing him and um, we went to a, we had a seminar thing at Hampton once and it was Willie Collum who was talking about this and he basically said when there's like an incident like this, you should almost be replaying in your head at every second, every time there's a change in the action. If there's a foul here, is it a red card or a yellow card? And you should basically be thinking every time there's a big movement. And to me, regardless of Welsh's position, as soon as that ball goes to Tierney, um, you think he is he's clear on the goalkeeper, he's going to get a shot, hearts off his line. Everything points to Tierney having a really clear goal scoring opportunity, and McGregor takes him out before he can even get towards the ball. Mm-hmm. And to me, yeah, to me, it's an absolute nailed on red card. I, I don't really, I, I think McGregor knew it was a red card. I think the only criticism came kind of afterwards, and and I think 
McGregor was happy with the red card. Nobody that was what was needed to win the game. McGregor will be yeah. absolutely delighted to to get a wee rest because he plays every single game of football <laughs> for about six years non-stop. Um, Hopefully, this breaks him. Just, I mean, not from a Scotland perspective, no. But yeah, if, if he was to yeah, that's a few more Celtic games. That wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Um, but yeah, no, it's that's the only way he's going to get a rest but yeah I, I just I thought it was um, he's, he's, he's through a goal he's going to get a shot of some description um, a wee, I, th- yeah. I thought I for me it was a maybe this doesn't factor into it but why personally I felt it was a red um, even if it's not in the rules was the fact that he had, he almost had two nibbles at him mm. he, it was a very deliberate attempt to to, to slightly clip and then he then he does grab him and so I kind of think that that's that, that, that he's shown Premeditation as well. I suppose it didn't element to it. If well, you're, he, if definitely you're it. Down. he definitely meant it. He definitely meant it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, uh, and but again, it's it's uh, yeah. Everyone, uh, you're both absolutely right. McGregor's absolutely no skin of his nose. You know, Celtic got like you know even if even if Motherwell had equalised in that game, it was not going to be on Cal McGregor because he was doing what you would hope every player on your team would do to take one for the team if, in that, if that, in that. Had been, if that had been Tuesday night and it had been the exact same position you would have been desperate for Callum McGregor to do exactly the same thing and that's that's what it boils down to that's how you win games and it's not maybe it's maybe distasteful to some people but I, I think I think it's, it's maybe a, Scottish football isn't for them yeah exactly like, I would maybe, agree yeah. I would agree we've seen worse yeah so uh, then we'll move to the second last game of the weekend. I think we'll go, we'll go to Pataudry for this um, just because the narrative trademark demanded that uh, certain things happened in this and uh, that, that included Aberdeen getting a very, very, very soft penalty because I'm pretty sure you'd have won this game otherwise. Is that right, Craig? Yeah, I think the reason you have heard absolutely nothing from Kilmarnock about this penalty is that it would not have made the slightest bit of difference. It, it was a... I would say it was probably our worst performance this season. Um, yeah, the silence says it all there. Kelly, I've been. I I had relatively high hopes at the start of the season on the basis that some of the players we brought in, I thought, yeah, these are all right signings. And when we get to the end of August, we clear out some more of the deadwood, and we get you know a few more bodies in. That would be good, but then we didn't. Nobody took the deadwood. Um, I mean, being deadwood, maybe that was inevitable, and thus you end up starting a Premiership game at Petodje with Liam Polworth and Brad Lyons in the centre of the park, and that's not a comfortable place to be. And that that's the kind of worry now is that there are there are some things to like about the squad, but. As well as that, there's the circumstance. Things like Al- Alibi also being out injured for a game like this, but then also Fraser Murray, who's probably now the second choice right wing back, is also not available, which leaves you, uh, it leaves him deciding to go with a 4 4 or a back four. I personally wouldn't have done. I know some people prefer us to have a back four. I would rather just have seen someone like McKenzie being asked to play wing back because um, I think he could do it. Um, Lewis Mayo I thought at Partick Thistle last season didn't look great as a right back and then or a left back and then when he played um, in, in the centre was was quite a composed central defender and I think that back three um, our, our back three of uh, Wright, Taylor and Mayo could at times be quite good I thought the opening game of the season it worked really nicely but as soon as you, I don't think Wright can play in a back four. Taylor doesn't look as good in a back four, and Mayo is not a fullback. Mayo had an absolute horror show of a game, and then uh, nothing is happening up front as well because Lafferty started the season carrying a bit of an, an injury. I think we've not, we didn't see the best of him um, because of that. McInnes is obviously thinking, right, well, we'll get Lafferty up to speed a bit. His fitness will improve and hopefully we'll get something out of him. We need another body up front. Someone who can come off the bench and impact games. We'll get in Christian Deutsch. Christian Deutsch. Uh, Christian Deutsch. He's not looking like a starter. No, I don't days. think he was signed as a starter. The problem is now with uh, the, the unpleasantness involving <laughs> Kyle Lafferty, he's not going to be seen probably... I mean, he was on the bench here, so who knows. But once this the... He's not. He's not going to get away with the SFA charge. Let's put it that way. Um, we are then left with Christian Deutscher and his Cameron starting games. That's a worry. I would say. Um, I would probably rather have Cameron with the way that Deutsch is um, 
moving. I, I don't think he, he really is a player who's going to leave the the sort of centre. You, you know how they, they, they say about good centre forwards, like situating themselves like just between the posts? That's fine, but they, they do also sometimes situate themselves somewhere else. Um, I don't think George has necessarily got that in his legs anymore. Um, yeah, I think that's a sad point because he did, he did he even before his, his bad injury, like when he wasn't, when he wasn't scoring for Hibs, he was at least being a nuisance. You know, like he was, he was still making contribution to the team, whether, you know, and, and maybe not unfortunately getting a goal, but it's it breaks my heart, <laughs> you know, that he's he's just it's just not in him anymore. The, the positive I'll say for Kelly, the only thing is I'll say when we've played at home and we've played against teams that have been about as good or or you know, you know the bottom half teams, we've generally looked pretty good. I thought we were pretty good against Dundee United, pretty good against Muller. We'll, we have a few more of those games coming up. Um, some of the, we've played eight games, so you can't say it this way, but some a lot of the games we've played have been. The fixtures we don't tend to do well in generally. Pataudry, Easter Road, games against Rangers and Celtic and up in Dingwall have all been games that historically we've never done very well in. But Basically, Craig, you're you're wanting to t- let us know when you're getting to Tyncastle. Well, well exactly. Um, but, but sadly, I think we're only there once before the split. Um, so that, that that's immediately three points down the drain. Um, but yeah, so there are not. It's not an entirely negative situation. I think it was right to give McInnes the new contract. I think that stability. I think I wouldn't put a lot of the blame at his door for what we've seen. I would put a lot of the blame at the door of what happened last summer, which has left us with a very disjointed squad. Um, and and I think this season now we have to reevaluate. It just has to be stay up however you can and get to the summer, mm. get rid of a lot of players and. Start again. And then build from there, yeah. Um, yeah. From Aberdeen. Aberdeen are a good team. Aberdeen are a very good team at Pataudry. Um they've I, scored a lot I was of gonna goals. I was gonna ask that. I was gonna ask that of both of you in terms of um that Aberdeen seems streaky. It would be my, like are, are is it a case that they're just flat track bullies this season and that might that might be enough to get them top four. Um but generally I cannot see that performance and then what they did two weeks ago at Easter Road where they just didn't show up like you know that that was one of Hibbs's easier easier games uh, this season. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 they sort of feel like a team that maybe needs something to go for them uh, to then play well. I mean, they've had a lot of red cards from opposition teams, uh, and uh, you know, I, I had games at Petardry. They didn't have that this time, but they did have. That was a shocker of a penalty uh, given. To, I mean, Mayovsky should get banned for that, surely. I've not. There's not been any. Is that still a thing that happens? Because it is a thing, and, and yeah, I think he, I think he cheated as well. And yeah, um, he did. Like, as I say, I'm not. I'm not going to get angry about it because it made fuck yeah, all difference right, to the yeah. game. But um, people disagree with me. But I think he, he, he. Like, don't get me wrong. It was an absolute mess from Kelly, and Hemming wasn't the most convincing in the way he came out. But ultimately, he doesn't. He doesn't take out Mayovsky. Mayovsky goes over him. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. He's has has the compliance gone. officer considered to uh, to cite him for a laugh? Because <laughs> I would quite like to see Jim Goodwin's response. <laughs> just, just, just to do it for just, to, yeah. I mean, just to know, do it for that reason more than enough. Was, uh, I mean, yeah, Mayowski is a. If uh, Ryan Porsche is a cheat, then Mayowski definitely is. Um, but so yeah, I, I thought that that I think that should be looked at. But yeah, I did see the the job. But there's a they're looking for a new compliance officer again. Um, so I don't know. You're a lawyer, you. I, well, I, I, I thought about. <laughs> no, I didn't actually think about it. Fine. Um, there'd be some very interesting. So it'd be more box office. I can tell you that if I was the compliance officer, people would be getting cited every week. Um, but uh, but short lived. I feel. Um, uh, but uh, but no, I, I thought Aberdeen looked good. I thought um, uh, Coulson looked outstanding. I mean, that might have been because he was running past Lewis Mayo a lot. Um, but I, I thought he looked looked excellent, and yeah, all round, just uh, you know, good performance from from Aberdeen. I mean, they can't uh, uh, really complain about um, about uh, their performance at all. Mayowski will score a lot of goals in this league, um, regardless of cheating or not. Uh, he's he's you know a good finisher, uh, and and they've got options now up front, which you know they've obviously not had in it feels like years. Aberdeen, you know, they've got Mayowski. Uh, Duke um, Basawan you can probably include in that sort of group and then even 
not that I particularly rate him, but Ramirez, if you know, if all else failed, you could, yeah, he could get involved. So, um, so yeah, no, I, I, you'd be pretty uh, happy with that as a as an Aberdeen fan, and it was a pretty straightforward win, really, in the end. And then the final match that we're going to talk about this weekend was uh, up in Dingwall, Ross County nil, Hibernian two Hibs. That's their third win on the spin. Ryan Porteous and his best buddy Martin Boyle with the goals. A uh, bit of a it seemed like a bit of a lackluster first half, but uh, with Hibs probably on top. Uh, and then just uh, the greatest footballer that Scotland has ever seen, Ryan Porteous, uh, just took the game by the. Uh, by the by, the lapels and 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 sorted things out. It's, it's very rare to see a centre half take take the game by the scruff of the neck in such a in such a way. Like like you could see them like being a commanding defender, but no, he, he seemed determined that, that every single attack was going to go through him as well, which was quite interesting. Take, take, yeah, I'm I'm still not a fan of him taking um, free kicks. I think it's like it's just he's not he's just not a free kick. I, I think, I think it's, all, it's very... all free kicks should be required to be centre half their goalkeepers taking them um, and <laughs> it's, it's from a days of Kevin McGowan suddenly just out of nowhere becoming like a free kick specialist for Kelly I just think it's um, it, it's imperative for the enjoyment of the game that we start seeing a bit more of this because it's, it's kind of gone recently as a, as a boyhood fan of uh, Jose Luis uh, Schiedever I am entirely on board for that in fact let's uh, yeah so free kicks and penalties I think that's I think that should be the new the new way forward you uh, and are are you now worried about the the, the marauding uh, Hibernian nation coming for coming for your second place as uh, as as an actual thread on Hibs.net said on Saturday night should is it too early to talk about splitting the old firm uh, yes well. <laughs> I think any time is the wrong time to talk about that. Um, but I did, uh, I did make a bet with an extremely drunk Hibs fan before the season started that uh, he uh, it was twenty pounds that Hibs would finish above Rangers. Uh, obviously, I didn't make that bet. He made that bet against me. Um, <laughs> but uh, this was just before the. Uh, uh, well, I think it was maybe one game into the League Cup campaign, possibly. Um, and they, they then oh, we had that. We had that half an hour against Clyde. Yeah, I think we convinced that, that ourselves that, that we were going to be world. Yeah. He was drunk on yeah. Lee, uh, Lee Johnson at the time. Um, but uh, I'm still fairly confident that I'll be twenty pounds richer at the, the end of the season. But we'll, we'll see how it goes. Um, but I thought Ebbs was sort of settling down. You can sort of see a, a, a team emerging. I think now from the, I suppose a lot of change over the over the summer. Um, and uh, there's still some bit, I mean, I think if you look at what you would try and sort of map out as the strongest Hibs team, there's probably still a few holes where you'd be like, that's like just the best of a bad bunch, probably the other centre half, I would say, that isn't Porteous, and then the centre mid, generally. Um, would uh, I know some of them have like had had their moments and had their games, but I I, I think that's that's still a bit of an issue. But uh, certainly going forward, they look like they're starting to um, find a bit of a formula that works there, and and uh, they got two two good fullbacks and and probably Johan Porteous, probably the best sort of half out with Old Firm, I would say. Um, and and you're to be fair, probably good enough to uh, to play for either. Uh, it certainly um, you know on, on current form. Uh, with the the old firm center half, so um, so yeah, it certainly looks looks a lot better than it uh, than it did yeah, probably like a month ago, perhaps. Yeah, I think that's I think that's certainly the case. And then Ross County, Craig, there. I mean, Malky Mackay has not got actually when you look at it, not a, not a great um, record overall. Actually, like I think there's it's flat. The, Ross County flat to deceive, and again, we we know they go through this um, almost bi biannual. You know, actually, every time there's a window, isn't there? Basically, that the, there's some remorphing of the squad, but it it doesn't seem like it's it's quite there this season around. Yeah, I've not I've not been much impressed with them this season. I think they they um, I mean they started equally badly, if not more badly, last season, and then they put put a run together at the right time, and this is where. People are very, There's no Dundee this season, yeah. though. That's the I think that's the. <laughs> but but people are very quick to say, "Oh, that team, you know, there's no chance that team will finish in the top six. I still think, um, and I'll include my own team in that. I'll include Dundee United in that. It doesn't take much for them suddenly to click, and 
you win like five games and suddenly you're sitting fourth in the league or something. It's maybe not going to quite be that way this season, but they timed it at the right time last season. Then yeah, they they, they struggled after the split, but they were playing better teams, obviously. Um, and I think they will need to do the same again because even they they they, they beat Kelly. Um, they were marginally the better team, but probably I say probably they, they they should have had two players sent off in the first half as the compliance officer Ewan said Ewan Ewan did did what Ewan suggested and just cited everyone that week. Um, I mean, rightly so. Yeah, no, no, they were horrible challenges as well. But um, those are shockers. But you don't get the but come on, don't get the no, but that, no. I think that's one of them that I think that's the the slightly annoying what, what, thing as a as a fan side of the like you're like, well you know, we could cite them after the game with us. Like you kind of feel that at least if he's given like a four game ban, the one of them should be held over for the next time he plays uh come on. What I will say in that in in um, the referees defence is that uh, they were they they were down to ten men when they scored their goal to beat us one 0 that day. Which uh, so I mean, who knows? But yeah, that, that that they haven't impressed this season. Maybe some of the players will click, but the there's an assumption I think that because they did well last season with some of the loan players that they brought in from England, that that's going to every time you sign loan players from England or Mackay somehow magically going to do what no other manager has ever done, which is to successfully, consistently mine the English loan market. Um, <laughs> and they're not necessarily getting a lot out of the, the ones they've brought in so far. Um, they're not all loans, but um, yeah, I, I think they're not a very good team, but they could they could turn it around. I'm so reluctant to, to make these big judgments on a team, but they, they, they were pretty poor any time I've seen them this season. Yeah, well, I think we'll we'll leave it on that that positive note. Uh, just a, a final thing to say: Thursday night is a is a huge, huge match for the Scotland women's team. They are hosting Austria at Hampden Park. Yeah, tickets are on sale. I think they're going well. I think they've al- already beaten the the already sold at least ten thousand tickets uh, uh, late last week. Um, obviously, I think they're trying to look to smash the record from the the, the game against Jamaica as the World Cup warm up. Uh, I know a few of us are, go- are going along on Thursday night. Uh, tickets are tenner if you're an adult and free if you have a Scotland Supporters Club membership. Would thoroughly encourage you all to go along to that because I think it's going to be a a good game. B, hopefully it can create a, uh, a good atmosphere and C, gives us an opportunity to potentially be going to the World Cup, which is is pretty exciting. And I, I'm still toying with the idea of actually going to the World Cup again if we get there. So uh, it would be nice if <laughs> it'd be nice if they gave me a, um, a gave me a, a reason to try and think about booking booking flights to. I, I'm sure we can work out some way if we, we finish just that third seed that we go into that we oh, can we all can go, go to, to the, the intercon- yeah. in, intercontinental <laughs> continental playoff in New Zealand in, in February. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll maybe try and make that work. But um, aside from that, we are about to head over to the Patreon uh, patreon.com forward slash Terrace Podcast. You can sign up there, three tiers, lots and stuff. There's just stuff going up every single day, and it's all and it is all really good, including uh, Craig's fantastic sixteen to one. Um, uh, quiz, which sadly I exited uh, <laughs> yeah. at, at the first go, thanks to Craig Fowler's flukiness. You, you did better uh, than you, uh, who, who was uh, too late on board the podcast to, to even be part of the competition. Like he's not even <laughs> on league for this competition. Yeah. But next time, uh, next year, next year, yeah, like a, yeah, like a, like a, like as in all Rangers fans, you will not hold a grudge, and will I'm sure it will not be referenced at any point ever again. But uh, Ewan and Craig, thank you very much for for t- uh, taking time to discuss this weekend's uh, matches. Had a welcome. good time. Yep, thank you. Cheers. Cheers, everyone. Thanks for listening. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.